0: Even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang thing called? It's joke workshop. Joke workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the mutant radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! 499.
1: mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counteroffer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counteroffer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counteroffer, baby. Oh,
3: It's two o'clock. You're listening to Mutiny Radio. When you hear the trippy, spacey music, you know what time it is. It's time to talk about God and stuff and community issues and changing lives here on Some Call Me Tim. Welcome to Some Call Me Tim. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. I'm joined today by Carlos and Locke.
4: Hi, Pam. How are you Thank you, you doing? for having us. Yeah,
3: thanks for being here. So uh, I was hanging out here just last week, and your compatriot came by and said, was giving me some information, some flyers. You're doing some community activism?
4: Yes, yes. So uh, that is my muse and inspiration, and the yin and my yang. Yes, that's Guled Muse. And so we've been working together. We're now, we have recently been hired by a collaborative known as a, a coalition of organizations known as United to Save the Mission, All which right. is a coalition of 16 mission organizations that are really focusing on the systemic issues that are creating these problems of gentrification and displacement for our communities.
3: Right, because that's absolutely happening right now in the mission. That oh, that are, there's empty buildings, the, the because the rent is so expensive, people can't afford to live here anymore. Who we're have been living here for years it's crazy what are some of the um, organizations that have gotten together in your coalition
4: yeah so within our coalition we have organizations like meta the mission economic development agency we have the san francisco tenants union Uh housing rights committee um the gubio project is a member as well and um let me see. There's so many. Oh, the Redstone Labor Tenants Association, too. So there's been a big fight about the owner who's been trying. He initially tried to sell that building off to WeWork.
5: Oh. Thankfully, like those
4: tenants there were able to organize, get in front of it, get around it. So that's not an option, but it's still being looked to to be sold. So we're trying to go. Well, that group and, and with support of USM is hopefully trying to get that leverage to get that nonprofit bought so that way we can make sure that a building that old with that much history with that much organizing around it gets to stay around for that purpose as as a resource to the community.
3: I was so bummed when cell space got knocked down here just in this neighborhood right now on Bryant and 18th Street. There used to be a bunch of homes and some businesses and then also cell space and that got knocked down and now it's a seven, eight story high rise with tons of new apartments and there's going to be uh, and my question is, where's the parking? <laughs> right? yeah. So it's crazy because they keep building all of these enormous apartment complexes that are bringing more people in, and yet parking's already an issue, and they're not building garages. Where where's everyone gonna park? And now and I think public transportation is incredibly important and I wish people would use it, but when someone comes in and buys a million and a half dollar apartment, obviously they have an Audi. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. so then what happens to the people who live here and, and I mean, is that sort of the kind of stuff that your coalition probably, is going
4: after or we actually do look at transit issues as well. I mean the the, the one thing that we've realized is whether it's within uh, the theme of housing, uh, commercial businesses, or transportation—it's—it's it, over—it's—it's it's like, it's an oversimplification if we look at them in isolation. Each of these things, this this mission district is like an ecosystem. All of these pieces are intertwined and moving together, and each one has an effect on the other. Yeah. So there's a, a definitive w- what we call, um, or has, has been labeled amenities in transportation that lead to gentrifying effects. So they're gentrifying amenities within transportation that can cause that. And so definitely we look at transportation with a specific issue that, that, that you're talking about. Um, I think that's all part of MTA's Vision Zero policy, which I call Zero Vision, because <laughs> it, just, it, doesn't, it doesn't really have the balance. They're looking to do something only within the confines of how are we making this a more green environment. Right. But we're not looking at what are the unintended impacts of making those movements because that impact might be a much more heavy impact for a low-income family than it's going to sure. be for somebody that has more resources, more wealth. Um, and so if we're, if we're going to get there, how do we make the public transportation system more accessible, more reliable? Yeah. Um, and we're also partnered with an, uh, a member of the San Francisco Transit Justice Coalition mm. that is trying to push for free muni. So, oh, that's great. Exactly. I mean, if we're going to have this thing where they're trying to take away the cars and move it out of the city, then folks better have a reliable system that they, they can depend on. Otherwise, they're heavily impacted by the system, and yet the the more wealthy upscale residents that are coming in either have their own cars that they can pay for private parking, sure or are gonna be taking Ubers and Lifts. Right. right. which is not a, a luxury that everybody can afford.
3: Exactly. I don't even have a smartphone, so I can't Uber or Lyft. But that's that's a personal choice. <laughs> that's a smart idea. Yeah. What is um for the layman out there, we use we throw around this term gentrification all the time. Uh kind of give us um a nutshell, easy layman's definition of what gentrification is and why it's such a problem. Cause I feel like we're throwing this term, even I know children, I know some junior high kids that I teach mm. and they throw the term around gentrification and just if you were to describe what, what that word means and why is it so detrimental for the mission and for greater San Francisco?
4: Yeah, definitely. I think, um, You know, when we're looking at city planning and and how things get built or what gets planned, um, within the realm of housing, you know, there's been two large narratives. Uh, There's been YIMBY, which is, yes, in my backyard. And there's NIMBY, which is not in my backyard. Mm. At USM, we like to think of ourselves as YERIMBYs, which is yes to equitable development in our backyard. Ah. And so as as these things get built, if you're looking at the recession, uh, the the last great recession that we just came out of, I think is a a pretty good point to look at how gentrification uh, ends up affecting communities. The starting point, we can have like a larger discussion. But essentially, what ends up happening is we look to do developments that are an addition to the community, but without the cost of subtraction of vital community members that have been living here and call this place home, and are a family in and of the community that exists here in the mission. And so when you have new developments come in, let's say a luxury development that gets bought and built, That development doesn't really take into account the level and range of incomes that exist in the community. And so more housing is built for a higher range of income in what would have been considered a blue-collar working-class community. And so eventually that gets propagated. You end up having, through the housing alone, is one, you're bringing in more upscale earners. Two, that new upscale development has... The impact of incentivizing adjacent landlords to want to go and engage in low fault. What well, I, I I did uh, tenant representation for unlawful detainers when I first came to this city, and so they engage in what we call low fault evictions. So they can push out uh, push out the tenant because they know if they spend the typical eviction will cost you maybe about eight thousand dollars. Oh but right, if, but if you, you just rent, buy them out. You you either buy them out or you get them through a settlement process, but overall you push them out and. Uh, As soon as that happens, um, they know that even though they had to spend a little bit of money to go and push out that that tenant, at the end of the day, they're charging $1,000 more in rent they're making twelve thousand dollars in return, right? Okay. So in the first year alone, you're already seeing a positive return, and so that leads to incentivization pressure for residential landlords too. So it's not just what gets built, but is what pressure and what 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 kind of effect does that new building have on the surrounding developments? But then also, as these new upscale income earners come in, that has its own effect on the commercial development, sure. because if I'm a if I'm a, a landlord. And, and I see these new people coming in. Usually within business, there's like low price point, medium price point, and high price point businesses, right? And so these higher income earners are probably gonna have a taste for more high price point businesses that right. can pay higher rents at three to $4. A low to medium price point community serving business is gonna be hard pressed to keep up with that competition. For
3: example, in this neighborhood itself, around the corner, I won't mention any names, a cup of coffee... Is four dollars and twenty-five cents, and it's a tiny cup of coffee. It's not an actual cup of coffee. There's a place right up the street where it's only two dollars. Why in that one place is it four dollars and twenty-five cents? Because the people with money, for some reason, they want to pay more. Why are the sandwiches next door to said coffee space seventeen fifty for a sandwich? Uh-huh. Because people are willing to pay it, and even across the street, there's an amazing Vietnamese place, and their incredible banh mi's are only 750, and they give you, uh, a a, like a a coffee drink, a Vietnamese coffee for 750, and and there's no line around the door there. No. But across the, I just don't understand. People with money sometimes want to spend more money. Because I'm, they have it, I don't. Yeah. It's a whole I different mean, one mindset. One thing was a
4: business. I won't, I won't mention the business either. But you know, we go in and try to create equitable outcomes with businesses. We're not going to dictate what they do, but we say, look, if you're going to be in the business of selling food, sell the menu that you want to sell. But why don't we have one or two items that are low, medium price points, so that way, uh, you know, a, a Latinx family can can walk in and not feel excluded from being in that environment. Right? Sure. We're inclusive of adding everybody to the equation. Yeah. Um, and so we, we try to do that, but a lot of times, too, it ends up leading to a lot of homogenization. We saw that one business was selling, like, $8 avocado toast.
3: Yeah, uh-huh. You eat-
4: know, and we get these these items that are sort of, like, bougie in nature but also repetitive. And one thing that we lose, you were asking part of what, you know, what is part of what's lost? Well, the Mission District has been known as one of the homes of, like— the immigration center of San Francisco. A lot of immigrants come in here. We had the highest amount of undocumented immigrants here in the Mission District. But a beautiful thing that brings is that's people from all over the world coming together and you find banh mi sandwiches, delicious taquerias. You find this wealth of amazing diverse food Mm -hmm. that ends up going away because those business owners are pushed out. And what we end Mm -hmm. up having is just a bunch of $4 coffees and $8 avocado toast stores that get propagated around the Mission. It's this homogenous kind of business. So we lose I, that cultural diversity. I
3: know that you're in the Mission specifically, but I live in the Tenderloin. I mean, I work here in the Mission, but I live in the Tenderloin proper. And on Geary Street, there's a place that has $8 avocado toast. And it's crazy to me. It This is the Tenderloin. This is the Tenderloin. And we've got... And the rent prices are insane. I live in a studio, and I'm very lucky because I've been there for 12 years, and I'm under rent control. But the same studio that I live in is going for 3000 a month yep. in the Tenderloin, and it's 400 square feet. And it's the same thing right now in the Mission. You can't – if you want to rent something for $1,000 in the Mission, it's steel, steal, A, and yeah. it's a bedroom. Maybe you share a bathroom. Maybe you have your own.
4: Maybe it's a closet. Maybe yeah, it's a closet. I, I, you know, last November, I checked here in the Mission, the, the median rent price for a one-bedroom apartment was $3,700.
3: And it's insane. So that means you have to
4: earn one hundred twenty to $130,000 a year not to be considered rent burden in an area that is supposed to be and has an identity of being working class, you know, a well, working class community. Do you remember
3: is, when Ed Lee was alive?
4: Some of it. Uh, yeah, yeah some I of came it. here in 2016. So, so since then,
3: uh, a couple years before, for that, I believe it, there was an article that came out, and Ed Lee actually said, "If you don't make eighty thousand dollars a year, please don't move to San Francisco."
4: So I guess he doesn't want his streets cleaned. Yeah. I mean, wh- why I, should people have to come in here, clean clean our streets, drive our buses, but not be expected to live in community with this. But that, It's, an, and absurd that's, that's, it's an
3: absurd concept. Um, but that's the thing: is that teachers, you, if you're a teacher in San Francisco, you have to live in Richmond mm-hmm. or Oakland or Hayward. And it's crazy that even our public servants Who are part of the infrastructure of our city Cannot afford to live here And that's crazy to me That's so There's so much cognitive dissonance around that Because you're serving a community That you don't even you're part of a community that you're, like, not allowed to live in because you don't make enough money, but you're serving the community? Like, it's mm-hmm.
4: yeah, that's crazy it's to me that like we almost don't. It's an oxymoron that ex- we live in. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you can be of the community, but not in it. Right. <laughs> you know, like,
3: it's it's, yeah, it's yeah, crazy like, yeah. that you have to live in Richmond to be a teacher in San Francisco. It's, how is that? How is that possible? No, I know so, that's
4: the problem with politics, and this is why it takes community power to make sure that we hold them accountable to actually doing the things and representing the people that they promised.
3: So, what do you do? Are you having um, like, are there group meetings? Are there? Are you are, are you having picketing? Some are you like marching? Is it all? Does your organization work through city hall? Like, what are you doing as a group to sort of change this landscape?
4: Yeah. So. <clears throat> I think there's there's a lot of things that USM ends up working on, but uh, in large part, um, we have certain key, I would say, almost like campaigns and committees that are focused up on, on a lot of this work. And two big ones that we have are, uh, one, the Cultural District Action Committee. And so right now, we've been working in tandem with the community first. Um, this was a community decision. We held three community meetings uh, around the end of October in 2017 to the beginning of 2018 and we had like 80 to 80 to 90 residents easy coming in. Great. And saying you know what we all feel and we all know this problem that is happening outside our doorstep let's not you know as USM be the ones telling you what the solution is tell us what you want to see. Sure. And the beautiful thing out of that community co-creation came with the idea of expanding the existing Latino cultural district. All right. And so that committee is right now in the process of expanding the cultural district. That's what they work on. They also work around actions that we do, around developments, around what we find to be inequitable commercial businesses that are trying to come in. Mm-hmm. And then we also have community development. And community development does look at before we have to take action with new developers that are coming in for new commercial businesses, sitting down with them and seeing if we can sit down and together collaborate and community co-create a solution that is gonna make sure that your business is sustainable both for yourself and for the community that is proposed to be around. Sure. Um, so those are those are two uh, large committees that we have. And then we also have a, a monthly general meeting just to continue to keep update, uh, folks updated as to what's happening in each of these different areas if you don't have time to make it to each one because you understand how busy people are, especially individuals working Anywhere sure. from one to three jobs a day.
3: Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's because to live in this neighborhood now, you have to have two you jobs. You have to work. At the you have sure. to work yeah. so much. Do you? Um, I'm wondering what happened to there. Used to be uh, just past in between 16th and 15th Street on Mission. It used to be um, a transition center hub, and now they're building something really big. Do you know if that? I I, I was wondering if that's what kind of housing that is, if it's going to be low income housing or, because it was
4: like a navigation center. That's the word I was looking for. It was a navigation navigation center center, um, and they
3: knocked it down and now it's already has like five stories and it's growing. And I was thinking, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if that was all low income, (laughs) Housing and people could actually live somewhere, but I have a feeling that maybe it's well. Not. That's a
4: two-part. I think uh, on the the one hand, the good news is is that that is actually a hundred percent affordable development that is being built by Mission Housing. Oh, So that's yay. that's a beautiful thing, but then. Um, I think the second part is I, I. That's a long-term solution. I think we need to find is typically whenever a building is, is, is received and, and gone through the planning commission receives entitlement is going to be built. Um, agreements are, are being struck where they can develop a navigation center in the interim until it gets knocked down. The building happens,
5: oh. and so that's where the navigation
4: was there until the building construction had to happen. Okay. And so I see those things as like a beautiful use yeah. in the interim, but. Yeah. I saw that navigation center have so much help and provide so much resource to the local unhoused um, neighbors that I do have that I was sad to see it go. And so it'd be good to see how do we develop a more long-term navigation center solution because right now they're all short-term. It's just when a new building gets built and entitled, in the interim, they'll agree to allow that space to be used for the navigation center. But once it gets built up, they get removed. And I think Uh, it'd be great to have a long-term navigation center. Why
3: wouldn't they build a navigation center into the new building?
4: Um, so for the mission housing one, that would be a good question. I know that typically sometimes, so for that one, I think that they found certain mission organizations that were being displaced and decided, you know what, let's create space for you to have a home in these buildings. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to affordable housing development, I think they're looking at the uses that can be. Are there nonprofit organizations that are being displaced? Right. Are there other community services that, w- that can be put in? And then they'll sort of build around that need. For private developments, uh, when they do have the navigation center, it's usually, well, if we have a bunch of unhoused people, what they call homeless, coming into this place, it's going to disincentivize people from wanting to pay the top dollar for luxury housing. Mm. And so they end up putting them out and putting in an avocado toast store instead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because no one wants to see what's really happening.
3: We want to blind um, eye if we can. The last census I saw was that there were 8,500 questionably housed people in San Francisco, but that number has exponentially grown.
2: Yes. Um
4: and I what are we up to now? Like it's 10,000
2: maybe you know, I I, I, mean, I
4: haven't seen I haven't seen the numbers recently but one thing from like year and a half ago that struck me as I was looking at it and it was a t- statistic that I got from the coalition on homelessness where it was over 60% of people that were unhoused were previously housed before the crisis. Oh, so and it leads you to know, you know, these aren't just people that You know, are are not caring. Exactly. They
3: chose to live on the street. They They chose to to have a drug and alcohol problem. No, there's things going on in the world. This is the other statistic I learned from that year and a half ago census. Over 50% of the questionably housed on the street right now in San Francisco are over 50 years old.
4: Really? Over
3: 50. We have senior citizens. We have over 4,000 senior citizens living without permanent housing without like a stable place to live. And yeah. I think that's insane.
4: No, it is. I mean, I'm
3: 45 if, and I can barely get out of bed. Like, and imagine I mean,
4: this winter was really cold. And yeah. I go through every day. I think like, how does somebody make it through a night that is so cold and how blessed I must be to have a roof over my head.
3: And I've been seeing people without shoes. I mean, yeah, we're in San Francisco. Everyone should have shoes. Mm-hmm. And when I see people like without shoes with like, you know, and there's some pretty in- inventive people that will wear six pairs of socks and wrap them up in duct tape. But that's insane to me mm-hmm. that we, like, there are people without shoes? This isn't India. This is San Francisco. And I shouldn't, like, downplay. I'm, everyone should have Along shoes. the way of
4: progress, where do we lose our compassion and empathy for each other? Exactly. Yeah. A lot of people are two degrees removed from the suffering. And especially the more the more resources you have, whether it's wealth or power, the more likely you are to be removed from that suffering mm. and engaged in your own self-interest instead of saying, what can we do together to bring each other up together? Yeah, because...
3: And you can judge a society by how they pe- treat their old people and their children. Mm-hmm. And look how we're treating our old people. Mm-hmm. Like, I just...
4: And, and, yeah, I, and I see it constantly. We're in a childcare shortage. How, right? how are we not developing? And when I hear things get proposed for, for new childcare developments in, within a, a development, but that is going to be private... To me, that signals is like, okay, but what about the working class and low-income families that really need child care because they're Absolutely. working insane hours a day sure. and we're not providing our children, one, you know, a, a resource for parents, but two, those things are incredibly important for early childhood care education. Absolutely. And how are we letting that go on the wayside for our children? It boggles me.
3: And that, I mean, well, we just keep, I guess it's, I guess we're going into a movement where, well, if you want to be taken care of, you have to have money. Like, does when do we lose our, like you said, compassion? When have we moved strictly? Have we have we become such soulless capitalists that mm-hmm. we can't see past our own self-interest? And how much money does anyone really need? Yeah. Like, I look at Zuckerberg and his compound next to, you know, Dolores Park, and I say, hey, thanks, bro, for the cool new wing at the hospital. That's great. Mm-hmm. But... How much money do you need yeah. if you're a billionaire can't you just like how many how many million would it take uh, to house the questionably house in San Francisco it, it would be I think it would be less expensive if we could house people than to have people be houseless because of the um, medical issues that can happen because of the if, if we could pay to take care of people before they need services doesn't Preemptive medicine, preemptive everything.
4: Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I just wonder where our where our heads and our hearts are. No, no, no. I agree with you. I mean, <clears throat> we have the highest concentration of billionaires right here in San Francisco. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's got to tell you a lot. And, you know, I, I, the way I look at it is I see them almost exactly the way that I see any unhoused person or any person with a drug problem. Mm-hmm. You know, money and power are the cells a drug that people get addicted to and it ends up leading us to do things that we wouldn't have done otherwise but for that interest so to me it's like there's a problem they want more money than they need which is like a drug it's right and so how do we provide service or narrative that is going to enable people to see that you know what if we mitigate our greed just a little bit just a little it can help so many people and actually that helps them at the end of the day because you can send your children down any street knowing they're going to be safe because yeah. nobody's suffering and therefore far less likely to go and commit a crime
3: sure i a hundred percent and here's the other thing I, like even if we try to conceptualize a billion dollars right it's 999 million dollars plus an extra million who needs that much money what could you possibly do what could you like what could possibly happen with that much how many yachts do you need when when is it enough like Mm -hmm. i just it's it's hard for me to understand
4: Um, You have a cat on a leash. Can we talk about that for a second? (laughs) Yeah, sure. This is, uh, I call him, he's my, he's my housing analyst. This is Locke. Locke. So he does all the, all the human housing analyzing for me. (laughs) He's amazing. I've always
3: wanted to have a cat that I could put on a leash, but they just won't tolerate it. Did you, did you just, was he, is he into it?
4: You know, I mean, I, I wish I could take credit for the training, but like I adopted him over at the SFPCA <gasps> and I had just uh, finished with my, I had a dog that was a dear friend of mine and mm. we walked around the earth together and yeah. he passed away, unfortunately. I'm sorry. And so I went to go, you know, find a, a new companion. I got this cat. I was like super stoked. I'm going to take him to the store, get him a leash, teach him to walk himself and we're going to go everywhere together. And the moment I got out the car, he just like jumped up on my shoulders and it wasn't anything I ever expected, but I never looked back and we've been moving forward together ever since. That's amazing.
3: I totally tried to train both. I have a kitten now and we're still trying. They're just, they just won't do it. They're, they're just not into it. And I'm like, Oh, come on. I've always wanted a cat. Yeah. Right. I'm a, I'm a crazy cat lady. Like That's I'm, really I love, I love cats so much. I feel like they're, there's these special little alien beings that have that if they didn't want to live with us they would leave. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a blessing to be with a cat cuz they're like, yeah, I want to be
4: here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, I've loved looking at the difference between like being a dog owner to having gone to being a cat owner and mm-hmm. I've said that there there are dog lovers out there, that is true. But when you own a cat, you become a cat fanatic. Yeah. I can't tell you how many memes, vines, cat videos, like you just dig down so far into the rabbit hole. And you're right, they're such interesting and distinctive personalities, even from each other. Yeah. That it makes them so, so very much interesting. My, um, I usually this show,
3: some call me Tim, is somewhat about uh, religion and stuff, uh, but mostly what people believe in and what makes them. Live their lives, and clearly, you have a lot of passion and, and belief in, in what you're doing for the community. Uh, but I, I have, I have, a, I have a deep passion for cats. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, I. That I, was, that was, that was the exchange and, and the promise we made to each other. He's helping me with the human revolution, and then afterwards, we're gonna go take the cat revolution and see how we can better cat life and cat self care.
3: Yeah, I mean, cats in the city. They need they need friends too. It's great that you you adopted him. I adopted my my kitties too because they kitties need homes. I love cats.
5: <laughs> meow
3: meow meow. <laughs> Bow to your alien overlords. The cats with one paw. It's uh it's really important. though no, they are they are so different. When I was little, um, I one of the reasons I turned away from Christianity is that in fifth grade I went to a Christian school and one of my teachers, Miss Blake, what a mean lady she was. I asked her if my cats were gonna be in heaven and she said no because cats don't have souls and I was like how dare you how dare you say that cats have no souls I think cats absolutely have I mean what is a soul if if they have personality doesn't that mean they have a soul like they're they're little individual the beings that are amazing and each one is perfect and unique and Uh like Uh how I was so angry and that was was like the first moment that I can pinpoint in my life where I was like maybe this whole Christianity thing is a crock of shit Mm -hmm. like maybe this is all not what I think it is at
4: the, and very least she was. <laughs> at
3: the very least she was but I couldn't believe that I was like my heaven because if I believe in heaven it's this um, idealized place of whatever there would be a billion cats uh-huh. it would be all cats yeah like everywhere like we would turn into cats and we would all just be cats yeah. like that would be heaven for me I get I to get be a cat that.
4: I can get behind that well,
3: I mean who doesn't want to be able to jump three stories in the air they're amazing like if you think about their size in relation to how they do their things, if we were if if we were cats, we would be able to just jump on top of a easily on top of a two story like um, balcony. We could just jump, boop, get right up there. Uh-huh. They're like they're magical beings. Get,
4: getting to the top kitchen cabinet would be no problem. Right, yeah. like,
3: I'd be I'd be so I'd be so into that. Uh, what what brought you to all of this community activism? How did you find yourself enmeshed in this?
4: Um, Yeah. So when I graduated law school, uh, one thing that sort of like resonated with me was I had an old criminal defense teacher who said that justice is for the judge and the jury. And the role of an attorney is to be a gladiator. You get the best possible result that you can get for your client. And I was just very concerned at getting the best possible result, meaning hurting somebody else unintentionally otherwise. And so didn't know what I wanted to do with it, but I knew that there'd be definitely a uh, far less chance of me unintentionally hurting somebody which is more important than making money to me doing nonprofit work. Okay. And so I got into nonprofit work, I started with the unlawful detainers and representing families going through eviction Ooh. and you know, I think until that time I had been really blind to the issue so I can kind of see how others are you engage in your life. You might not be too up to date what's happening locally and so i just when i got involved in the work it just opened up my eyes for every one family i was blessed enough to save their housing there were another three coming through the door asking for help and so it became really important to me to one not only i think that service that is provided in representing clients is extremely important but at the end of the day if that's where we stay we're just putting a band-aid on a gaping wound that requires a suture right and so i started asking myself like what are the ways that we can start addressing the systemic issues that are bringing them to the door to begin with because the, the beautiful thing about doing nonprofit work is that you're already on a salary. So less people through the door, I'm still getting paid and that's good for me. Right you know? So I was, I was blessed to be in a position where I had that privilege to, to really engage and really see what was happening. And, mm. You know I've become over time just uh, much more involved with this mission community it's got a very special place in my heart I feel like an adopted child to this community and it's just been amazing to see the the beautiful spirits and minds that I work the energy that is building here and it's truly a place for for a political and community revolution that is moving forward so I'm just happy to be a part of it
3: yeah can you explain to us the Ellis Act
4: yeah, the Because
3: I've Act. never really understood. It's like, let me tell you what I understand of it, and you tell me how off base I am. Is the Ellis Act when you own a building and you decide that you want to sell the building so you evict everyone because of the Ellis Act and then you let other people move in? I don't know. See, I don't know anything about it. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah so the uh, the Ellis Act is, um, it was a law that was put into place that is basically saying it gives the landlord an option of saying if, you know, I see across the street there is a mixed use building with, with retail and, and some residential on the top floors. Well, let's say that there's an owner, the owner of that building decides one day, you know what, I just don't want to be in the landlord tenant game anymore. I do not want to be renting my place out residentially. What I'm going to do is use the Ellis Act what that will allow me to do is evict the tenants um, the period of, the, of time depends on whether you know you have disability you're elderly a variety of factors but one way or the other I'm going to evict the tenants and then what I'll do is remove my building from the marketplace of residential tenancy and engage solely in commercial, tenancy or finding some other use for the building for myself. Uh. Um, So they're basically just saying we're going to take this building off of the market for residential housing and find some other use for it. Uh Um, And it's either a period of five or ten years. I think it's ten. But um, you have to agree to do it for a period of either five to ten years. The problem we've had in the past is the city does no tracking of what (gasps) landlords do with it (laughs) afterward. And the tenants that are supposed to be the safeguards to keep an eye on the building, because technically if that happens, you've got a very big lawsuit that you can take against that landlord. Well, you've just been displaced. Far likely than not, you were not able to find the $1,000 a month rent. And you're now living in East Oakland or somewhere else and so it it was hard to keep track of for a while and it was an easy thing for landlords to say hey we're going to ls a building but really just get them out and then wait a little bit and then we'll start bringing more folks back in and hope everybody forgot about it.
3: Because, no, because landlords don't like rent control because they can only raise the rent 3% every year. And so if you have an old building and you evict everyone who was under rent control, who's been there for 25 years and still pays, you know, they probably, in in 1990, they probably started paying, you know, $400 yeah. for their apartment. Mm-hmm. And now they're paying, you know, $800, $900 over time because of that 3%. And the the landlord says, but but the, the property value right now is 3,700 for this. And so it's
4: the greed that they, but they hide behind this. El- Owners and developers hate anything that cut into their profit margin. They will, you can, you can believe that they will be staunchly against it or finding some loophole to get around it, oh. which is a problem we had at 2,300. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh, what are the, and, and I keep seeing in this, there's so many things going up. What's going to happen to where the Popeye's used to be? Remember the thing that burned down? <gasps> That's another mm. thing in this neighborhood. One of my buddies made a t-shirt and it was called, um, it, it says on the front, instead of I, um, heart SF, it's I apartment fire SF and on the back <laughs> it had all of the, fires that have happened in the mission over time with yeah. their dates as if it was a tour as if it was yeah. like a tour date thing and the guy who made the t-shirt couldn't even include all of them because there were so many and his point was that how many of these potentially were arson mm-hmm. because there's still that empty space there's always a
4: question about you know did you make the fire in order to evict the tenants in order to actually now go build the luxury development and put new tenants in right
3: yeah. so but that seems so illegal, and that it's happened so many times in this neighborhood. Like, where is the justice?
4: Well, technically, there? You know, if they're displaced, um, one, they immediately elevate themselves. I think that's the highest. Um, there's the affordable housing, which goes out whether it's for uh, for as a rental or for ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, the rentals go into a lottery system. And so, if you've been the victim of a fire, and you submit an application for um, for an affordable housing lottery, you're elevated to the highest tier.
3: But so a have, lottery, so you might or might not get it. So
4: you might or might not get it. Usually, we found that if they've been, the hardest thing is to connect these um, these individuals to the resources that there are, because it seems like a complicated thing to do this application. But partnering with somebody uh, like Meta, who mm-hmm. does help with that. Um, we will get them into lottery and usually we found that usually because of how few people in San Francisco overall have been affected by fires, mm-hmm. usually all of the people that do end up applying have a really good chance of getting in. But that doesn't solve the long term problem of why are they you know sure. that's just a stopgap measure that And what other, are they doing in the interim they should have the the right to return after the building is rebuilt uh-huh but usually what the landlords will do will wait them out if i sp- if i wait three to five years until i really start putting in my process to rebuild the building mm. I mean, you know, personally, you what happens in three to five years if I have to move to East Oakland? Mm-hmm. Where am I at now? What am I doing? Right. And more than likely, I've almost forgotten about it. And if they can, they won't tell you about it. Of course And they'll force you to be the one to investigate it. Right. And so if you don't hear of it, usually that means they go out of the clear. They wait for the dust to settle. And then they'll manipulate that, that loophole and build up some, some new market rate housing.
3: And where are all these people coming for this new market-rate housing? Because it wouldn't be happening unless people were actually buying these incredibly expensive places or or having the finances to rent them. Yeah. Like, so, who are these
4: people? Uh, I mean, if you look at it, there's a project we've been appealing over at 2300 Harrison. That's actually really close by over at 19th and Harrison. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> that's the one thing. It was when we started this business, it was housing was king, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's where you made the largest amount of profit was in the luxury development. Now we're seeing actually uh, a trend going towards high end office mm-hmm. normally for like tech, tech startups, you know, but anybody that can pay that high end price, which could be like a law firm potentially as well. Um, there's a lot of overdevelopment of high-end office that is coming in. And so now we're building more upscale jobs than we have housing for, which is bringing oh. those upscale earners into San Francisco because they want to live close to where they work. Sure. And they also want to live in, in areas that they find to be exotic. Right, and cool. Know? Yeah, sure, exactly. Sure. The, the mission exactly. is fucking cool. It that's is. Like, that's it's real. Is that's fucking, fucking cool. It's yeah.
3: real. It's I back that cool. up 100%.
4: Yeah, you know? but burritos aside. It, becomes, it, it becomes a Disneyland if there's just too many right. upscale earners, right? Because sure. that, that That flavor comes directly from the people that were that are the immigrants that are the working class, and when they get pushed out, something is going to remain, but it's just going to be a Disneylandification of what was right, you know. And so, I think that's that's sort of the problem that we're finding right now, too. Is there's a lot of upscale development that is getting put in, and the city is not really because the question is, do we need that job? Yes, but would an upscale office development be better placed in the marina where? A business that is what we call PDR, production, distribution, repair, Uh, like an auto working, a for, you know, manufacturing furniture. Sure. You know, instead of having more of those in a place like this, they're starting to bring in the new high end office. Right. And so that is what's getting proposed. And the problem we find is that uh, the city and the planning commission are just sort of lot, you know, resting on their laurels, letting it happen and not holding them accountable to actually maintaining real balance in this ecosystem that we call the mission.
3: And- there's, I, I've heard statistics that like almost 50% of the buildings in downtown are vacant right now. Why are we building new high-end business, like job centers when there are empty floors downtown? One of my uh-huh. buddies is a bike messenger and he's like, it's crazy. The eighth floor of this one building is just completely, he's like, multiple floors in this uh-huh. building are just empty. Uh-huh. Just empty downtown downtown. in the financial district. So why would we build more things when what we already have built isn't even filled? It just doesn't make sense. Or on the flip side, why aren't we taking those unfilled corporate buildings and somehow turning them into affordable housing?
4: Mm -hmm. Or affordable non-profit space or or, affordable non-profit child care center exactly oh my gosh Yeah, yeah because that's well that's creating jobs as well and i think that's i mean that's endemic of the lack of accountability that our public officials have, whether they're, I mean, the two largest bodies for these things, right, are the Planning Commission and the Board of Supervisors. Right. And I think that's just endemic of the politics that's involved. That should be a civic issue. They are now injecting politics into it. And of course, if you're a developer or a high-end office person, your money and your power gives you more opportunity to speak with these people, sway them, Provide them whatever political career favor that is necessary in order to get their vote, yep. and the people are left to suffer the consequences afterward. Um, so I, I think that's 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 a problem that uh, is definitely there. And I think the question is, you know, understanding that everybody's time is valuable. I mean, I say that the 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 parent working two to three jobs, time is far more valuable than the CEO of any office building, right? how do we take that time that is so valuable to them but come together and empower each other to do real people power? I mean, at the end of the day, money and power have their place in politics, but the last time I saw, money doesn't vote. The people do. Right. So how do we get together and empower each other to have the gunness that we need to get together and push these commissions, these, these supervisors to do what they should be doing, which is holding these offices, holding these developers, holding these plans accountable yeah. and doing them in the way that they were intended.
3: And when people say, oh, my vote doesn't matter in city elections and in the city of San Francisco. And when we're dealing with that, your vote does actually matter people in San Francisco can make a change if they choose to go out and Especially vote. Especially
4: locally, that's what they're relying on is for you not to go vote because they know that they're able to go and push forward the people that are going to put forward their interest. They will go vote because right. more than likely than not, they actually have that luxury of not figuring out how am I going to go to vote between these two jobs right. that is not going to compensate me for the time lost knowing I got to pay the absurd rent that is sure. now being charged to me. So it's a difficult thing. But the thing is, if we go and we show up and we make it happen... It makes a statement and lets them know that that level of accountability is at the bare minimum, the bar that is to be expected. Otherwise, they can expect to face repercussions from the people.
5: Yeah.
3: Well, the people, everyone just needs to understand that. I know, I know, on a large scale, national level, because of the electoral college, maybe our vote doesn't really count. But don't do that on a local level. Know that your vote counts in the city of San Francisco, and you know, educate yourself on what's going on so that we can make these positive changes. Because we're all. The people who can still afford to live here, (laughs) we're still living here. Make it um, better for all.
4: You know, know, I I think of it like, um, you know, a a child that uh, in Spanish we call him like travieso. Like somebody who's trying to get away with things, Uh right? Uh And that child is going to continually try to get away with stuff. As long as he knows that he can. Right. Right. Steal the candy. Um, Steal the candy. If no one's looking or if you know that, you know what, mom is not really going to punish me. So even if I get caught, it's not that big of a deal. Right. You go,
3: I'm sorry, mommy. I love you. And then you give a little tear, and then you're fine. It's
4: like time out. No. Okay. Just don't do it next time. Okay. Okay. And they're going to go do it again. Right. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's the same for for these policies, whether it's the supervisor or the mayor. Every vote in the district goes towards counting who is going to be your representative and making votes like that and showing up to events and and to big-ticket items that are going to really move areas around those issues of gentrification and displacement sends a message to them that, hey, actually, we are watching. And, hey, there is actual accountable action that will be taken if you don't properly represent us. And that is incredibly important. How can people donate to your cause? Do you have a GoFundMe?
3: Do you have a .org? How can people... Uh, either give time or monetary monetary resources to no yes gen- um, gentrification you know, we, and displacement.
4: You know if if the work that we do is. Um, we believe it's vitally important. If it resonates with you and you do have the capacity to, to give, we very much appreciate it. Um, we have a Facebook. Um, it's uh, United Save the Mission. If you go on there and send us a message, we can link you direct. I don't have the information. With oh, I'll I'll I tag would. you up too when we after oh, okay. with Perfect. the podcast Okay, I can I can uh, I can get with. Um, With And then we can get the information for donation. But at the very least, you can go onto our Facebook and send us a message and we can help you with that process. Or um, definitely feel free to go to Meta and let them know um, about your desire to donate. And they can also help you with the process over there. Um, And then if it's about getting involved, uh, definitely we meet as a general meeting once a month. That is the first Wednesday of every month from 6 to 8 p.m. Um, So we invite you to just reach out to Goulet or I. Um, We also have those cultural district meetings that are happening. We're looking to get people invested to being um, active stakeholders in the process so that way we can make sure it's a real community co-creation from the ground up, not from the top down. Right. Um, So if you want to get involved in that as well, um, feel free to reach out. I am carlos at usmsf.org. My compatriot and and colleague Guled is Guled, G-U-L-E-D at USMSF.org. Please reach out to us. We would be happy to connect you, happy to put you in touch with the efforts, with the dates for the committee meetings, and make sure that you're getting in touch with the work because at USM, we truly believe it doesn't happen unless we do it together. United so save we, the we mission, we've got to come SF. together and make that happen. So yes, if you're interested, please come through. Let's community co-create. Let's create a vision that is community-centered and culturally competent and make something beautiful in this world.
3: Yay, Carlos. USM save, United save the mission, Yes. SF. Uh, This is super exciting What are uh, some other If if you have like Talking points that you're trying to Reach the public about like What else is going on here in the mission that you're like
4: This is going on let's talk about it one is, I, I think the biggest one we have right now, and actually we had a recent development happen last night that, that seems a little bit shady itself, but there's been this new proposed development over at 2300 Harrison. That's over at 19th and Harrison, and there I'm is a three-story to... office building that's there. It's right across the street from John O'Connell High School, oh, okay. right in between John O'Connell and the PG&E factory is yes, this yes, yes. building. And a while ago it was— Used to be uh, Lyft. Yes. Yes, it, yes, used to it be was Lyft, the lift building Lyft building, and now it's something else. Lyft left, but they master. They were still the master leaseholder, uh-huh. and then they rented it out to three smaller tech companies. Uh-huh. And I think that's kind of been where it's been at for the last few years. But then they, they decided, you know what? Why don't we propose doing an extension? We're going to build another building. And that building, they actually used It's – it's been a headache for us because it promotes luxury development. It's called mm. the um, – uh, state density bonus law. Mm-hmm. And so that basically says if you provide X amount of affordable housing, we'll let you go beyond, like let's say there's a district that says you can only build the 65 feet. We'll give you waivers and concessions to let you build even more to create greater mm-hmm. density. But the thing is, those additional, usually it's like two floors of additional density don't have controls of affordable housing. So they want to put in all market rate. They put in all market rate and the minimum amount of affordable housing required for what we call that base project, which is just the project minus those two floors is usually an extremely low threshold. Sure. So it's been hard for us. That state law. That's a a lot of local law.
3: That's a sweet place to live though. I've lived on 19th street before and, I love 19th street and that corner right there right it's right across from um the mission cliffs and it's like two blocks from Gus's. I mean what a sweet place to live that would be it's right down the street from two awesome bars vendors in the homestead it's like the the
4: the main pathway for carnival
3: yeah it's exactly it's in the main pathway for carnival it's it has the the um Fire station right there. There's
4: a high school. I mean, it's what a cool place. If was, I mean, I'd want to live there. It's it's an amazing place to be. And that's why we were so concerned that this thing is trying to use a state density, like a, a law, a state law that was meant for housing. Right. And they actually built a very small amount of housing. It's proposed for 24 units of housing mm-hmm. to leverage the construction of a building where those two to three floors, the, the second and third floors of the building are going to be. Uh, nothing but office. Oh. And it's going to be high end office. And sure. they asked for some waivers that would actually connect that building to the existing building. Uh-huh. So there would, between the new building and the existing connected, we'd have over 95,000 square feet of office. Whoa. Which would make it, if not the largest, top three largest office spaces here in the mission, which we believe is going to highly incentivize. Uh, a high, because their their preference was also, they said, we prefer to have the fewest amount of tenants possible, uh. the, the owner. We're thinking they want to sell that to an upscale tech office. Sure. Tech office right now, the last number I checked is right around, if not smaller, 150 square feet of worker. Uh-huh. So if you take 95,000 square feet, you lease it to one tech company, What mm. 150 per worker, we're looking at over 650 high income earners coming into the mission with only 24 units of housing proposed, for them. Wow. And that's even lower because they offered ended up I mean we really pushed back. They only offered 3 in the beginning. Now they're at 6 units of affordable housing, which is a good thing, but then 18 units of housing for 650 people? Yeah. Where do they expect to live? Where are they gonna, that's going to sure. put so much pressure on the local community mom and pop businesses that are here, yeah. as well as the residential housing and the, you know, the 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 tenants that are there as well.
3: Why aren't they re like using buildings that are already existing. For example, on Mission Street right now, there's the old theater on like 21st that's boarded up that could that could be why not turn that into a place that techies work. There's the the old um Mission Thrift that's that huge two-story mm-hmm. building on 17th and mission that's been empty now. there's the other there's the building on right in front of the um, the 18th Street mission uh, the 14 bus stop that's been boarded up forever. Yeah. These are buildings that exist. Why not take
4: what already exists? And repurpose and the 18th, repurpose it instead of building something new. I just don't understand. The 18th and Mission one is a work in progress. Okay. That's, that's going to be a meta building for 100% affordable housing. Rad. But you know, those other things, you know, the, the way we look at it is we have to look at what is our community. And I looked at the Lyft Diversity Report. In, in Lyft Tech, they were something like 6% Latinos. And uh-huh. in their leadership, it's like, 1%. You know, so when we're asking about opportunity, yeah. high end tech office doesn't bring opportunity. No. We asked ourselves, you know, what we told them, too, is like, look, with this new office, why don't you limit it? We're not entirely against office, but we want community serving office. We yeah. need dental offices. We need medical yes. offices. You know, that's that space is permitted for childcare. Why not do yes. a floor dedicated to child care? Yes. Do all these other interests that, yes, you're going to be making less profit. But you'll still be making a profit but isn't investing... and it's going to ensure that you're building something that is going to blend into this ecosystem and have a positive impact and not a negative one.
3: Investing in the community is also incredibly important. It doesn't have to be – when you invest in a community, you help the entire community and that can only yeah. help your business.
4: And, and you know that it's the community helping you, right? Because how are they selling that building? In the hip – Mission District right. with all these exotic Latino businesses and multi ethnic businesses. Right. Like, that's one of your big selling points for driving up the, driving up the price, which is right. what we saw happen on Valencia Corridor. Yeah. Get back and make sure that there's going to be something that is a sustainable mode. You know, we keep talking mm. within the environment, sustainable energy, doing these sustainable systems. We need to start talking about it in housing. Right. How do we do sustainable housing, sustainable business development to yeah. make sure that we are doing that addition, but without the cost of subtraction of? What at the end of the day is not only a working class community, but it's a cultural hub. And yeah. once once those people leave, the culture leaves with it too. Right, and then so cultural erasure is something we want to prevent.
3: We want, yeah, we want culture. That's was, why people move here because it's was, cool
4: and there's culture. I mean, I was looking at it. We we have the largest outdoor public gallery here in the Mission of anywhere else in the United States. Sure, with murals. With the murals, right here in the Mission. Nowhere else are you going to find this much beautiful art that is just available and open to the public to walk by yeah and we lose that i mean we're losing artists every day absolutely so if we don't find a way to be sustainable and thoughtful and intentional in our housing and the way we develop and bring in new businesses then we're going to end up losing all of that forever and at the end of the day all you walk by is a bunch of avocado toast stores people on their iphones taking lifts and ubers it's gross well we have the same issues here
3: at mutiny radio in that because we we're not we're not tenants i mean we're we're a commercial space there really is no lot to stand on. If our landlord decided at some point to just raise the rent a thousand dollars a month, he could a hundred percent do that because we really don't. It's nobody lives here. It's a commercial. It's a commercial space. Mm-hmm. So we're just lucky that our landlord is cool. Yeah. Uh, but that's what that's can really happen. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise, this place here could become an avocado toast place and we don't we don't we definitely don't want that we want to keep free speech alive in the mission and keep keep up the diversity yes Yes. keep up the diversity and the voices and that people's voices matter and that people should be able to speak their truth
4: alarming 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 to me is we're quickly becoming a city of exclusivity instead of a city of inclusivity and the exclusivity now is like yes we're, we're open to having conversations on issues around you know uh Sex, gender, sexual orientation—you know those things are happening. But what about income inequality? Yeah, that's that's something that we have seen growing at an alarming rate, and a conversation that doesn't get had. And well, America hates poor people.
3: That that's, <laughs> that's been. Well, no, it's been. I it's mean, true. It's, it's Pick not yourself not up by your
4: bootstraps, right? Otherwise, yeah. I don't care about
3: you. Well, yeah. and it's it would be capitalism hates poor people, but we're we're doubling down on the capitalism, and there's a couple the economic culture is becoming an actual societal culture. Exactly, yeah. and people. America hates poor people and any like symbol of poorness that you have externally, you get judged on. It's a a dentistry. If you have missing teeth, people don't take you as seriously Mm -hmm. because it's a, it's an outward sign of poverty. Mm -hmm. Any like outward signs of poverty is when people shut down and go like, Oh, that's
5: gross.
3: Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of, I don't know. I think that the classism of America is like the caste system even is starting to develop, and we're becoming more of a nation of haves and have-nots, but even in San Francisco right now, the disparity between rich and poor is growing, 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 Mm -hmm. and unless we put a stop to the gentrification, we're just going to continue that divide.
4: I mean, I think of it, I mean, honestly, we have to start bringing this into an environmental framework. You Mm -hmm. know, a city and and a neighborhood and a district are like an ecosystem, and just like any ecosystem, if there's a wolf feeding on some deer and you put too many wolves into that ecosystem what ends up happening? You end up running out the deer putting them to extinction the same thing here this is the balance it's not to say that there has to be district for rich people district for poor people we can live together and we can live in harmony but that harmony has to be at an equilibrium that needs to be maintained otherwise too much injection of upscale income earners just means that we end up pushing out the poor ones. And if we like having our streets clean, we like (laughs) having people drive our buses and move our transit system, if we like having people there to teach our children and actually show them how to grow up and learn, then we need to make space for these people to be in community with all of us. Right? Because otherwise it doesn't happen. And it's an unfair expectation for me to say, I expect you to teach my child, but not to live here in community with me.
3: Definitely. United Save the Mission SF. Uh, everybody, check it out. Carlos, thank you so much for being here on. Thank some you for with having Tim. us. And this is
4: great. Just uh, one more plug. Yeah, we have that project at twenty three hundred Harrison. Uh, it was supposed to be happening next Tuesday, and actually, for some reason, it's been pulled off. The appeal will be happening and going through, but we're going to need as many people to show up as possible and make a statement that, yes, what we need is equitable development. We don't need more upscale, high-end office to displace people. What we need are offices that have community-serving purposes that yeah. work. Um, and so if you care at all about making sure that we're keeping this planning commission, these board of supervisors accountable to the plans we've created together – Please get involved. Please show up. We need where, as much where of your is this support meeting? What, what's happening? When so is it? So it, it got it got pulled off of uh, the super. Actually, just last night I received a letter after I submitted the appeal, saying that they're actually taking back their environmental review, which pushes it off the planning calendar because um, they want to zone it. They're basically
3: changing the, the planning commission is changing I, the zoning you know, of the I building.
4: It seems really weird that they would put it off last second. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what's happening, but what that tells me is that we're onto something. And mm-hmm. so we need to make sure just please like Guled, G-U-L-E-D at USMSF.com, Carlos at USMSF.com or .org. I'm sorry. .org. .org, 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 .org for .org, both .org. of those. .org. Yeah, yeah, yeah. .org, please. United or Save on- the Mission SF. U-S-M-S-F. .org. And or just going to our Facebook, but just please reach out to us, talk to us, because we want to keep you plugged in. We're learning the new development, what's going to happen. We're still appealing the project, yeah. but we love to get you included, love to get you updated, love to get you involved. So whether it's through the Facebook or, or messaging Goulette and I directly, please reach out and we'll be sure to, to provide you more updates. And hopefully yeah. when we have something more concrete to talk about around this project, I come on again and we yeah, can really speak please. to the of this.
3: I'm super interested because we are super close and I know to that, uh, Twenty-three hundred block of Nineteenth Street, and I—I'm telling you, it's got to be part of the zoning that they. They probably, in order, that area probably isn't zoned for what they're doing. So the environmental looking at that is because they're trying to rezone that area to say that it's for certain businesses and stuff. And so the city and the planning commission, I know a little yeah. bit about zoning and what they do. So I'm like, ha, ha, ha. But mm-hmm. that's, that's they're pushing
4: he, an agenda and we got to be there to hold them accountable. Say, accountable. You yeah. Don't
3: change the zoning. Keep the zoning the way it is. You're not supposed to have that. You're not supposed to have that high end stuff here change don't change the zoning mm-hmm. keep it the way it is or plan for the
4: community that's there not for the <laughs> yes. one you want to bring in you yes know.
3: amen thank you so much carlos thank you so much for I having myself, me, me thank
4: you so much for having us yes I know yes for Locke. me and Locke, it's been a pleasure oh Locke is
3: such the cutest kitty i'm a crazy cat lady but not in the way you think i want to take my cat and i want to shave him and i want to knit a sweater out of his fur and i want to make him wear it
4: <laughs> oh Sorry. it's one of my jokes yeah, you, you, crazy you, you get- don't, don't want to collect hair over time and make a sweater for yourself Yeah, that, now kind of that way. might just be a strategy for me and lock I yeah. just get some lock fur on me. yeah
3: just and, <laughs> and make our own little you know get a spinning wheel and make a little a cat sweater I'd, exactly. I'd wear it. It'd be great. um thanks again, Carlos for being here. Uh, send him an email at carlos u s m s f dot org and get
4: involved. Thank you so much Yay. for having me. A Have a great afternoon. Have a great day, everybody.
5: Yay!
0: It's
2: your boy Cifo here. here to let you know that the fifth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is March 1st through 7th. 2020 with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week get your tickets now on Eventbrite. just search mutiny radio and get ready for 76 comics from all over the u.s coming for 66 programs in seven days all here at 2781 21st street in the heart of the mission or if you can't be with us listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm Join us March 1st to 7th for these amazing events.
6: What kind
7: of a future...
8: or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. Mutiny Radio SM. Why not make a donation? Mutiny
5: Radio SM.
8: Streaming live the station. Mutiny
5: Radio FM.
8: District. MutinyRadio.fm MutinyRadio.fm Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can listen on the go San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio Look! Why not go to MutinyRadio.fm Hit the donate button Stream them live Download a podcast, have some fun! Cadillac with be white material oh, oh. and I drove
0: it up here. And I started to do some thinking.
9: Around
5: on the freeway and I'm okay. a really, really good time. black, I, so I, I am eternal, I'm a total friendly friendly. I, music
0: music. Is absolutely
5: right. I am a heady, biggest,
8: and adolescent. And I will cut the
5: Blake.
7: Henry! Henry. Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah, I have a report here. Yeah. Nurse
5: Major and She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the
8: dude minds, man. Let's watch O'Houlihan Moving
5: on YouTube with Michael
6: Spiegelman. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not
8: Spiegelman.
6: Join us every Sunday, 2-4pm to 4 Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for
8: What's happening? This is your boy, Rob Edwards. I'm here to tell you about the fifth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's March 1st through the 7th, 2020, with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week long. Get your tickets on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comments from all over the U.S., coming for 66 programs in seven days, all here at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission, or listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st through the 7th for these amazing events.
0: Billy Bob.
1: Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Just mm-hmm. tater tots are some sort of sense mm-hmm. of normalcy
3: and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's Subliminal SF. Dot .myshopify.com and experience Subliminal SF. <laughs> Tired of paying too much for your internet? Contracts and hidden fees got you down? Tired of supporting the same big cable companies that lobby against a free and open internet? Get Monkey Brains! Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral residential internet for only 35 a month business packages starting at 75 a month go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today
2: asiento asiento take a seat at asiento on 21st and Bryant meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento honestly is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders, board games all over the walls, trivia on Mondays, taco Tuesdays, first Wednesday live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties, the food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long, with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket, March 1st through 5th, check out the schedule at www.acientosf.com. Come, take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. It wasn't a fun of the place. But it was very nice, Asiento.
6: offside show Wednesday March 4th 9 to 11 p.m. with LGBTQ plus and allied comics so come out to 3158 Mission Street at Cesar Chavez San Francisco it's open every day at 2 p.m. with an incredible back patio El Rio is your dive.
7: For that black classic, MutinyRadio.fm, where we got to both kinds of music, as I say, about Country, Bunker, Country, and Western. <laughs>
5: We a young father
9: came by it. the garden of a rich landowner. Air and upon working the gate, he looked in at the
7: lovely
9: Just as he turned to go away, he saw the daughter of the landowner sitting by herself, singing songs. The daughter was so beautiful that he felt happiness and sorrow at the same time. His happiness was for the beauty of the daughter, and his sorrow was that he knew he was too poor to ever win her
5: hand in marriage.
9: Certainly, the father of the girl would not allow her to even speak to a poor farmer boy. Then he got an idea. can only sing. If the girl is interested in your song and has eyes for no other, you will be able to talk to her and learn if she likes you. Now the father of the daughter wanted her to meet someone of high position and great wealth, and so he had been inviting several wealthy gentlemen to visit her. While everyone fell in love with her, none of them really caught her interest. My daughter must make the final choice herself. I will not have her unhappy, he would tell the callers. One day, a very, very rich man came to visit, and he talked of many wonderful things that he planned to do in the future. At first, the daughter listened to him with great interest because it seemed that he was sincere. But then, when he came again and again and repeated his wonderful plans over and over, it was obvious that he was just making idle talk. The daughter became very bored with her suitor. Then one day, a beautiful bird flew into the garden, and the daughter was so happy with this new visitor that she watched it and listened to its song and paid less and less attention to her suitor. After several days of being thus ignored, the very, very rich man became jealous. The next day he hid in the garden and with his long rifle he shot at the bird. The daughter ran crying to her father. And the rich man was told to leave their home and never to return again. The bird had sung very beautifully, but when the rifle shot passed so close to it, it became frightened and lost its voice. flowers. You will be able to talk to her, but she must not see you there. Ask her if her feelings would be the same, if you were not the beautiful bird. So the beautiful bird flew
7: into the garden, and Yeah. Turn you.
8: with a good old-fashioned hoedown.